0: Welcome back to Sermon Notes. Michael here, alongside Garland, who's going to be our teacher this week. Garland, good to see you. Mm-hmm. And we've plugged in a third microphone for our one and only Clark Nolan. Welcome, Clark. Good
1: to be here with you guys.
0: Yeah, to talk about <laughs> First Peter. So, Garland, you're landing the plane. Uh, can this you? This is going to be wheels. Can off. you see the runway? Can you
2: see the landing strip for this series that we started back at the really beginning of the to. summer? I Really like First Peter. Um, yeah, we're getting to the end here. Um, so. Um, we're going to do uh, chapter 5, 6 through 11. Um, we're going to leave a little bit on there for uh, the 20th. So uh, we'll, we'll leave a little bit on there. But, yeah, we'll look at this passage. What we're going to do actually in sermon notes today, I, I thought, would be um, let me hit a couple things just by way of some grammar stuff. And then I just thought we'd kind of talk about the series in general, um, if that works for everybody. That's why we're here. Why we're here? Okay. Yeah. Cool. So um, just note a couple things real quick. Um, I think different translations may bear this out. That might be something worth knowing as you go into small group or just thinking about it personally. Uh, six and seven. So I'll, I'm going to fly through these in like as quick as I can here. Six and seven. Uh, the passage of, in general, the passage is pretty pretty simple. It's not, not a ton to have to work with. And I'm going to hit a lot of it on Sunday. Uh, just uh, how the grammar breaks down in six and seven. Uh, humble yourselves. Now that's the imperative. That's the command. Um, but it's a passive tense. Imperative, pass it tense command, which the best way to translate that would be "be humbled." Uh, when I'll talk about the difference in uh, on Sunday a little bit, he then gives uh, uh, we might say a purpose or a reason um, that he may lift you up. So the that we might say the the independent clause, "Humble yourself," as an imperative with a uh, we might say a dependent clause, a reason that he may lift you up. But I have the NIV; it it takes ch- uh, verse seven. Cast all your anxiety, which sounds like a new sentence, a new independent clause, and it sounds like another command. What is it?
1: What do y'all have? NAS is casting. Same as NASV says casting.
2: Oh, it does. Okay. So that's actually, that is the better way to take it. And I know Michael, that makes you very happy as the ESV again, um, I think gets it right. So all the hard work I put into this (laughs) ESV is paying off. (laughs) You really spent a lot of time creating that. Um, So the NIV I think is obscuring. This again is, is uh, another, we might say dependent clause. It actually begins with a participle and participles are verbs that describe, or we might say something like that. So casting is probably the better way to translate that. And I think that's important because it looks like in the NIV at least that it's two different commands. Be humbled or humble yourself, then cast all your anxiety. But that obscures what actually um, the grammar does, which is be humbled. You know, that may lift you up. And then we might say the means by which or the instrument through which that you are able to do that command is casting all your anxiety. So the ESV and the NASB, I think, are, carry, are kind of capturing that. To start it as a new sentence, I think, kind of obscures that. And that's, that's important. I think the difference is is, uh, is significant there. Be humbled. Okay, yeah, cast all your anxieties. Okay, two things. Versus be humbled by casting your anxieties. actually demonstrates in this very difficult thing I'm accepting, my suffering under, under human oppressors and under God's sovereignty. How do I do that? Okay, that's going to generate. Maybe anxieties, I give those back to God. Yeah. you said some in our meeting on that, Clark. I don't know if you want to speak to it here. Well,
1: I mean, I just see it as it's a it's it kind of proves out your dependence on Him that you're not God, and as you humble yourself before Him, um, you're you're left to cast your anxieties. You cast like you cast a net up on the water, and so when I walk and pray, this is what I try to practice. Yeah. So I'm casting my care upon yeah. Him. Mm-hmm. But I don't want to miss just the shepherding language, though, at the end of that. Because who? Because he cares for you. Yeah. And so, again, it's interesting that, you know, part of Peter's restoration was being restored by the good shepherd. Right. And now he's using shepherd language to shepherd these, his people. Right. He's trying to take care of. And um, he's leaning into this, this gentle nature that is God's care for his people. Yeah. So...
0: And it requires some humility to cast your anxiety on God because you have to admit, I can't solve this. I can't figure this out. Uh, I don't, I can't think my way, behave my way out of this.
2: I've got to give it to the Lord and that we have to humble ourselves to get to that. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. I think the other one, there's one more grammatical thing. Verse nine, um, similar idea here. Um, uh, what do y'all have? Cause the NIV has resist him. There's our command. And then, uh, it it has a verb form here. Standing firm in the faith. There's
0: everybody. What do y'all have? Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing the same kind of suffering. Okay, yeah,
2: That's
1: exactly how the NAS NIS, NIS reads. Yeah. The yeah.
2: NIV makes it a verb, standing firm. Either way, I think it it, it works either way. But again, we have a similar um, construction here with our command, resist him. Then we might say two dependent clauses that describe what that looks like. One is standing firm in the faith. And I think that's, that. I'm going to draw this out on Sunday. I think a lot of times we think resist and we start taking a very active approach to that. Like, okay, resist him. That means I got to muster up the strength. I got to fight back. I got to, you know, take some names and get after it. And, uh, of course it probably depends on your personality as well, but resist him standing firm in the faith, like the faith, the, the, the faith is putting your eyes back on Jesus. And then the second one is knowing something. So NIV, I think, again, obscures it. Because you know, I think is a little an interpretive translation there. It literally just is resist him, firm in the faith, knowing that. So knowing that, the family of believers, you're doing this, you're experiencing the same thing all the Jesus followers are going through. Now that sounds like, <laughs> like, let me get... Let me get my hackles up and go after some people. Right. Uh, yeah. That sounds like the opposite of that. Hey, trust that you're not alone and look to Jesus. Who just, will who yeah. will himself restore,
0: confirm, yeah. strengthen, and establish yeah. you. Yeah, he does it. So
2: again, I think so often we get to a passage like this, and I can see certain, you know, personality, maybe Jesus followers that are listening to this, or just, you know, I see some of us going, yes, I'm gonna go charge the gates. And sure, of course, but the means by which the manner by which we do that is accepting that we're going to suffer, recognizing that we're not alone in that suffering and keeping our eyes on Jesus. And what Peter's gonna say over and over again, because he also suffered. It just seems like such a non resistance resistance. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, but it's the way of Jesus. It's It's, the way of the exile. It's the
0: resistance that comes through humility Mm -hmm. and. Uh, voluntarily submitting to authority, even when we don't want to, all the things that Peter's been unpacking. Yeah. yeah. yeah.
2: So it's, it's right on brand for the letter. And that actually, okay, that brings me to what I wanted to do. And, okay, it was a few more minutes than I want and I thought I'd be here. But uh, And you skipped over
0: the roaring lion, the devil. Probably going to get like a, a lot of time lion. like that. So I'm get okay. that some time on Sunday. Make I'll have the, to I do guess blue I'll, devils for a little bit as well. I guess um, I'll come on Sunday for yeah, that. Yeah, I guess
2: you have to be there. Um, so, yeah, I, I did think it's it worth – just taking maybe just a minute or two or not maybe more than that even for us to just, we were sitting in our meeting, just talking about like, man, this has been awesome. This first Peter study. And I know I've really enjoyed it. I thought it'd be worth just almost looking back, taking maybe just a few extended minutes here to go, you know, what's been especially challenging. What's just some pastoral concerns or maybe, personal, even concerns for you guys, for myself, as we've taught this book and heard from, you know, just our church and uh, how you've uh, been processing it. So I'll just shut up and let y'all kind of answer. What's been maybe the thing that's been the most rewarding thing and then maybe the most challenging thing? We'll do, let's do fun first, rewarding.
1: Michael?
0: (laughs) I mean, the book itself has been incredibly rewarding, and I know we say this all the time, but to think that this letter is almost 2,000 years old, and it could have been written this month. I mean, it's so applicable when I look at what Peter's calling us to, and I think one of the things that um, has been rewarding for me um, to start there is just his, his relentless focus on a better future that sometimes I can get so wrapped up in, man, this is a crazy time in our country politically. Um, There's a lot of things um, I see in the news that break my heart. And then I read Peter's letter, and he's saying, hang in there because Jesus will return. And when you see Jesus face to face, it's going to all be so worth it. And so I think that's been a rewarding thing for me is just to be has been for me to lift my eyes. You've used that phrase both on the podcast and from the platform, Garland, just to to look up from our current, what's right in front of us and see the longer picture and what eternity future looks like for those who are in Christ. I think that's been a big encouragement for me as we've worked through the book.
1: Yeah, Garland, uh, yeah, great question. Good reminder to lift our eyes up, Um, Michael. I think, um, part of, for me, this is, won't come to any su- any surprise to you guys, but the idea that identity informs behavior here, and so the way we see ourselves in chapter 2, um, verse 9, as uh, believers, a chosen race, royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's own possession, so that we may proclaim, kind of thing. Um, the proclamation of who he is is rooted in our identity and who he says we are, and it's also the motivation for obedient living and to fight sin and to repent and to walk in holiness. And all of this is gospel driven. And so a lot of what we see in these commands, um, as you've noted, Garland, um, they're rooted in what Jesus has accomplished on our behalf. And so, um, that's part of what was reassuring for me is that as an alien or a stranger in this world, as a follower of Jesus, um, There's a high expectation of obedience here, but it's rooted in my identity of who God says I am. And the gospel should be enough to fuel that passion to grow and to walk in holiness. And so a lot of that's in chapters one and two. And so that's probably my favorite section. Um, Unfortunately, or maybe fortunately, God had some lessons for me too, is in I had to teach uh, two significant passages on suffering and joy. Yeah. (laughs) And Michael, I know you had to address that too. Right. And in, in your passage. And so um, to me, that was, uh, that was probably the newest thing that I learned personally, just in, in my walk with God, is that this suffering thing is not an alternative way. Um, it's the way. Right. And it's the way that's coming, it's the way that it's always been. If you're going to follow Jesus, there's going to be suffering in this world, and He is entreating us to embrace it with joy. Mm. And because on the other side, I mean, that's part of the gospel, the joy that was set before Jesus pushed him to per- persevere on our behalf. So a couple of highlights for me, Garland. That's good. How yeah, about think,
2: you? Yeah, I think for me, uh, and I think what's the reason we want to even have this conversation is, you know, we, we do have meetings where we sit around and, and kind of work through the passages and talk about them at a, you know, a, uh, as detailed as we can and a kind of a high level. Then we also have just moments where we're, the three of us are just friends are having a wrestle and having real life stuff. And and those are rarely in the meetings or sort of, you know, in the office or, you know, uh, sometimes outside of this building. And I I think what the rewarding side for me on Peter, on reading first Peter has been, and it kind of goes back even to the Esther Daniel is just, I've kind of liked the reminder that you're going to be weird. You know, I think Mm it's so, you know, maybe that's just, I have a weird personality and I like that kind of thing. And you're I think, weird. Yeah. yeah. I'm kind of weird. Yeah. yeah. I think for, for so many, especially with everything going on culturally, I think, I think that a lot of times I find myself wanting to fight for some kind of, um, you know, status or honor. And, um, I think Peter's just been a good reminder for me that the culture isn't going to understand us. They're going to disagree with us. They're going to think we're archaic and they're going to think that it's, uh, hateful and they're going to think that it's wrong. And I, you know, of course I'm, I'm younger, I'm a millennial. And so I kind of was, I, it was, it's been more normalized, I guess, for my generation, but the generation below me, it's even more normalized. And I think that, you know, for my generation and down being reminded that you're going to have to take a stand for Jesus and recognize that it's not always going to be palatable. I think the challenge that you gave Michael and in, in mm-hmm. chapter two on, uh, but also attractive, you know? I think just that balance, I found that to be almost relieving, you know? um, I don't need to expect that uh, mainstream American culture is gonna be uh, in agreement with what the Bible says. I guess that was an expectation, especially down here in the South, that we've had for a long time, but uh, it's gone. It ain't coming back. Um, And okay, now let's get get on with it. Um, And so that's been, for me at least, somewhat relieving, almost like, oh yeah, the New Testament expected that. I don't know why I would expect it to be differently. Mm. Um, just like, uh, maybe some of y'all listen to this, there's also been some things that have kicked us in the teeth maybe a little mm-hmm. bit. So we, do we want to go there and yeah. share some what, of that? Right. Don't, you, <laughs> yeah. go ahead, yeah. Garland, right, go, go ahead. Yeah. I'll, give you, I'll give you exactly what it is that, um, you know, we have global workers all over the world and uh, who really experience real difficulty and, uh, we've been talking about suffering and all that and ostracism. And I'll be honest, um, two, two big things that I've really been wrestling through this whole year. But the first one is, man, we're talking a lot about suffering. I sure don't experience much of it, even in the, you know, quote unquote, hostile American culture that we seem to think is out there. I'm, I kind of look around where I live and it's kind of all great. And I'm not experiencing, yeah, Maybe a little discomfort socially. Yeah, I think the media mocks us a little bit, but uh, what that but my life's largely pretty sweet, you know. And I need to, I think I can take for granted some of the blessings from Jesus that I didn't deserve to be born here. And uh, yeah. you know, Norpus, Arkansas is kind of, kind of a place people want to move to. There's a lot of cool things, but from and, a
1: physical persecution yeah, like or we're, socioeconomic we're reading
2: all this suffering stuff, I'm like. Yeah. Well, well, if I really look at my life, and then it's caused this question. That that's the that's the precursor to the real one that's kind of been haunting me, which is, um, you know, C.S. Lewis has that line where he says, uh, you never ha- know how much the truth or falsehood of something is to you till it becomes a matter of life and death." And I've been just thinking, you know, you made a uh, we were talking in one of our meetings, and one of our uh, one of our staff who um, they do ministry people in places of the world that uh, you can. You can die for having a Bible, and you know you you, you kind of made a joke, Clark, in the meeting, and uh, just because I don't I don't know what else we know what to, you kind of went well that that's not what we're talking about. That I that's kind of haunted me, and mm-hmm. the haunt has been this: Do I have the guts? I'll just be honest, i be I don't think I do. I don't think I've cultivated it. I don't think I'm really ready. Um, and it's been uh, challenging my desires. You know, um, do I really desire? the way of Jesus or do I really kind of desire the nice comfortable easy American life and I can talk a big game mm. that's been a that has not been fun to wrestle through um you know I'm not asking for it but when push came to shove and I look in the mirror do I really have uh this kind of faith in Jesus um and I've I've laid awake at night thinking about that mm. like if somebody really really it really got the real suffering how fast would I cave and I don't know the answer to that um and so I, that's that's been a challenge, I think, for me. What about y'all? Yeah.
1: Man, good luck with all that, Darling. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think I've been – I like your word haunted a little bit because um, when, when I think of my, – my, my default response when things press in on me, uh, be it criticism or be it any kind of sense of what we might call persecution – is to respond with attack back if you will and it feels like peter again of all people his responses are with character with the spirit of god's word and it's all these things that cause me to have to trust in god for the outcome that i can't control and then he uses words like gentleness and respect and i'm like man i I want to see some outcome here. I want to act on something. I want to come after somebody. I want to be right. Maybe cut an ear off.
2: Yeah, this is the guy that cut the ear off. That's right. (laughs) And,
1: And now Peter's instructing us on how to be gentle and be respectful and how we treat outsiders, how we treat those who are seemingly persecuting us. And so I think that's been difficult for me is to see that the weapons of our warfare are the warfare of the gospel and the spirit doing things in us. And having things come out of our mouth that are healing Mm. and God honoring and peace giving. And I want to attack and win. Yeah. And so it's kind of been, it's been an assault on my personality (laughs) a little bit to want to be right and win and see justice done. Mm -hmm. And Peter seems to point us to the gospel as the way that justice will be done and for us to let that be on our lips instead of the attack. And so that's been, that's been pushing me, Michael. Yeah. Yeah. I think yeah.
2: it's just, even as you said that, like, I don't think Peter before the moment with the ear, you know, you brought the, the cutting the ear off in the gospel, you know, he, he attacks the soldiers that come. I think that is the, that's the human response. And of course that's all of our response, even Peter's. So it's like, what's, what was the change agent? Like I, he saw the risen Jesus Yeah. Like he, he went, wait, even if they kill us, we already won. Like that, it takes that kind of belief in the resurrection to actually do this. Uh, it helps that
1: he was filled with God's Spirit right after yeah, Pentecost. Yeah, yeah. And but notice, I mean, that there's that some even power the he has he keeps now. Going yeah, going
2: back over and over and over again to Jesus and the resurrection, and the cross, and it's like, oh, that's the secret sauce. Oh, that's it's always yeah. there. It's and it's the, always just, been the gospel. Yeah, yeah. yeah and yeah. just to
0: throw in on that, this was something that actually got cut from last week's sermon. But in that moment, Jesus said he could call down. 10 legions. Yeah. So what's that 70,000 angels I think. Um so just Jesus didn't need Peter to defend him there. And I think sometimes we still tend to think that that man we got to we got to we got to speak up. We got to tell these people what Jesus thinks. Well, I don't know if that's really what the Lord's calling us to do sometimes in some spaces. I'm not saying back down, but I do think to your point, Clark, sometimes our human nature is to be combative when Jesus would say, Why don't you love that person and understand them? Mm-hmm. And then maybe you'll be in a position to share truth with them. So, and I'm not trying to put words in your mouth, but. No, that's fair. Um, yeah. Well, yeah. what about your words in your mouth? Then? Man, I'll put some words in my <laughs> mouth uh, as I often do. A lot of people have heard me say over the years, I know Clark's heard this a lot, that oftentimes my wife's voice, um, the Holy Spirit, seems to come out of her mouth and she says things to me a lot of times she says things to me just kind of -of matter-of-factly that I'm like oh man I think that was from the Lord and in in that whole middle part of the book I had to teach on submission to authority and I was confessing to her I don't for those of you who worship with us you might remember I I had a mirror and I said we got to look in the mirror I was trying to um, be honest about the fact that i struggle with that and i told my wife lee i said i'm really having trouble with this getting this passage ready and she said that's because you don't like submitting to authority and of course i did what all husbands do i was like <laughs> well that's not what i do I, I listen to the elders and i you know clark's my supervisor and I, I respect him and she was like no you you can submit to authority when you agree with them but when authority like when you don't agree with what the authorities over you have to say, ouch! You struggle with that. She cut
2: to the cut to the core of you, Michael. Man, <laughs> man I've kind of like you. Lead. You know, I, I've been
0: be easy on my brother here. I've been, I've been thinking about that, and it doesn't say be subject to the Lord's sake for the institutions that are good and righteous and that um, uphold your values. No, it just says to. Whether it be the emperor or the governor sent by him, for this is the will of God. And um, yeah, that's just been, I've been really wrestling with that because it's really easy for me to sit back and um, lob verbal barbs at politicians and people in power that I don't agree with. I think it's very, it's the norm in our culture to do that. And I think this is a place where I've just felt convicted that I need to be countercultural in that. And whether it's government authorities or, um, just other authorities in my life. Um, I need to submit to them and not just, um, not as not for eye service, not just to look like I'm going along, but to in my heart say, Lord, help me submit to this because that's your will. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to do that in my flesh.
2: Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll, I'll let, let one of you two take this then. I mean, Um, you know, we're, we're normal people as well that we, you know, we're trying to, you know, follow Jesus and it's not easy for us at times as well, but there was some intentionality and, and whoever wants to answer this, I guess, uh, we didn't do Esther and then Daniel and then resurrection and then Peter like that on accident, you know, there was some intentionality and you'll notice we're concluding this right as groups start and right as election season and election fervor and the rhetoric is ratcheting way up. There's a, there's a debate in the next month. And, you know, we, we, we wanted to, to get ahead of that even by looking at, uh, exile literature in the Bible and start to learn and practice, you know, we call it the way, and we've talked about that quite a bit. Um, one of you to just speak to the, why kind of help us to see, you know, if you didn't know yet, pull back the curtain. Um, and what do you hope we take from this, um, as we go into the fall and as this, you know, it's, it, it I, it's it's not gonna be peaceful. It's gonna have contention. It's gonna be. Uh, I, I don't. I, I'm not. You know, have to have a crystal ball to see that, I don't think. So w- pastorally, just hmm. what do you hope that we would do and look like this fall as we kind of enter this crazy season again?
1: Man, that's heavy. We all
2: looked at Clark like, well, he's yeah. he is the <laughs> congregational leader. So I guess he has to answer that. <laughs>
1: no i think we you know when i think of john one fourteen and why jesus came in his incarnation to embody grace and truth i think as elect exiles um he is our gospel our good news our proclamation the king who's the rightful you know owner to that throne um that's who we want um to lift up to honor and um, as elect exiles, uh, we knew, um, especially during election season, uh, interacting with our school boards in our different communities, interacting with the challenges of our culture, sexual ethic, um, everything that is what, what's going on in the world around us, I think we all felt the need to ramp up our personal holiness, one, but also um, our graciousness in how we engage with those who are without the gospel and to be a faithful people who trust in, uh, I'm going to say it, God's word is spirit in the context of his church um, to be a light that's gentle, that's respectful, that stands firm, um, but in the gospel. And that we fight with the weapons that the scriptures have taught us to fight with. And so, um, I would love for our church to be a light in a dark place over the next sixteen to eighteen months, um, and uh, and that that would be made manifest. And so, um, Daniel did a great job with that before a really dark pagan king, yep. um, who mocked God at one time. And so, um, I think we're called to that same thing, um, Garland. You're you're making a
2: yeah, I think gesture it brings, here it, bring, yeah. it brings us full circle because notice. Uh, and I didn't actually realize I started working on this sermon. This brings us back to this week, at least your enemy, the devil. No one else in this letter has been called the enemy or the adversary, right? There, and he said those who malign you, those who tor- who uh, cause suffering for you, those who would hurt you, abuse you. He doesn't call them enemies. What do you say? You say this all the time, Clark. Uh, if how do you say that? If the if some if a non-believer well, when, makes us when more, lost
1: people make me more mad than sad, then I know I got something wrong with my yeah. heart. Yeah. yeah, And so that's that's how I know my, my heart's getting callous, mm-hmm. is when I start seeing those that don't have the gospel um, as my enemy that I need to take over and attack or be against, um, they're doing what they're supposed to be doing, in a sense. Mm-hmm. They don't have God's transforming spirit in them. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, that's, that's my own heart check. And then when I'm sad because of the brokenness of the world and the consequences they're having to uh, bear up under, um, that I know that that the gospel's still soft in my heart. Yeah. So. Good
2: word. Michael.
1: Yeah.
0: No, that's good, yeah. man. No, that's a good. That's a good um, place to put a pin in. First Peter, and I hope our listeners. We'll continue to let this book just work on their mind and their heart and as we all just try to be formed in the image of Christ, uh, just to give our fellowship, the people who worship at Fellowship Fayetteville, um, a little preview of where we're headed. We'll have three weeks of mission and vision as we traditionally do in the fall where we'll be talking about... Um, fellowship um, and how we're applying new testament biblical principles in family in community and around the world and then after that we'll be launching our fall study which will be the book of philippians and we'll be right back here um, to help guide you in your study and give you some things to think about and let you in on what we're thinking about and wrestling with as we move into that season at our church and so thanks for being with us throughout this first peter series and we'll catch you next time on sermon notes